Let us pray. Lord, we take this opportunity now to center our hearts on you, to focus on what it is that you have to say to us this morning through your word. We ask that as your word is read, that your spirit will take the words off the page and take them into our heart and reveal something to us, reveal something that you would have us know something that you would have us believe so that we can be uh, a little bit more clearly defined and shaped in Christ's likeness. Bless this time that we have in the presence of your Spirit and in the presence of each other. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you're able for the reading of the Word. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is the final week of the series that we're doing on on living true in a world of lies, where we are basically uh, taking notions that are uh, common or popular, maybe in the secular world, sometimes even in the church, maybe even things that we we have come to believe ourselves, that's just popular thought. And we're sort of comparing it and contrasting it with, uh, with certain things that, that God has, has shown us through Scripture. And, uh, and today I want to uh, talk about the difference between privilege and grace. Now as I talk about grace as I'm up here this morning, I realize now that I'm going to need it because the iPad that my notes are on is at 4% uh, battery. So, so pray that I, I make it through this. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to talk about privilege versus grace because we experience as believers in Christ, as a church, as, as his redeemed and his beloved, we experience certain privileges. The uh, privilege of being able to approach the throne, to ask for forgiveness, to be reconciled, the privilege of eternal life, the privilege of a relationship in Jesus Christ. Those are all privileges that we experience. But that doesn't necessarily mean we are privileged. 
Because in our society, especially now today, in our culture, even in the church, the term privilege, what, what we mean by that is that we are part of a system that is fixed to help certain people uh, and benefit certain people over others. And all too often, even in the church, I believe that a lot of people who, who call themselves Christians or who believe that they are Christians um, maybe see themselves as privileged people. That they have sort of uh, been a part of a system that will guarantee that they have favor with God. And of course, that's not always the case. Privilege is, is very rigid and very structured, and it is the opposite of grace, which is what we actually need to have that relationship with Christ. The sad truth is that so many people have these, these misunderstandings, these misinterpretations, and some of it comes from uh, a misunderstanding of scriptures like what we just read. Now, there's two different um, uh, misinterpretations that go on in this, this scripture that we just read uh, when Paul was writing to Ephesus. Uh, the first concerns inheritance. When Paul says that we've obtained an inheritance from the Lord, some people think of the inheritance of our faith, uh, the inheritance of eternal life, the, eternal of good, uh, the, the inheritance of good standing with God. They think of that as something that they get just, you know, maybe because they've grown up in the church. Or maybe because they've been raised in a Christian home. Or maybe because their parents had faith that they sort of inherited that from them. And there's a lot of people in the world, I believe, that, that think that. That think of faith as something they have inherited from their previous generations or from their upbringing or maybe even from their church. But that's not always the case because we don't inherit faith from anyone else or anything else other than God. We inherit it from God and from God alone, and we inherit it because of grace. That's not a system of privilege. That's a system of grace and mercy and love. Now, another misunderstanding that happens when people read this text is, is they get hung up on this word predestined. And it appears twice in this text, and this has been the cause of many debates uh, in Christianity uh, for, for hundreds of years. People who believe that what Paul is saying here is God predestined uh, people, in other words, uh, saying that, that God chose some people to go to heaven and he chose other people to go to hell. He chose to save some people and he chose to damn others. Well, I don't believe that that is the case at all. Predestination is not a force of predetermination of Salvation, who gets saved and who goes to hell. Predestination is not fatalism. The word does not mean that some impersonal force controls our every move, and it does not mean that God has chosen some of us to save and love and others not to. Predestination is the conviction that God is sovereign and that salvation is his gift. In other words, God chose to be our God. God chose to offer us the gift of salvation. God decided that this was going to be his will for us. But predestination also carries with it the idea that we must also choose to be a part of that will. God has chosen the will. God has chosen the plan. He is predetermined and predestined that he is going to love us and he's going to, to offer that gift to us. 
but we also have to choose to submit to that will that, it, that his, uh, his will has been predetermined. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher was a, a famous uh, pastor in the 19th century, and he said, uh, he, he phrased it this way, the elect, that was the word that people would use when they would talk about predestination. The elect, the chosen, are the whosoever will, and the non-elect are the whosoever won't. In other words, we play a part in what God has determined. God has determined to offer us this gift, and it is our choice to, to receive it or not to. Now, that is, that is all the difference in the world between grace and privilege. Because privilege means that you're born into a system where you're going to be saved or you're not going to be saved, and there is nothing you can do about it. That's privilege. But grace allows for something else. It allows for free will. It allows for submission. It allows for humility. And I want to talk just a little bit today about the differences, the stark differences between privilege and grace. First of all, privilege brings entitlement. Uh, I knew a kid when I was growing up, and I'm I'm sure some of you knew uh, people like this when you were growing up as well, that had everything. Like anything that you could think of that, that a kid would possibly want, they got it. And this kid, I knew uh, his, his, uh, his dad was well off, and so everything, every new video game or console or anything that came out, he got it. And when I was a kid, and I am very thankful of this today, uh, but my parents did not let me play video games. They, they never really bought uh, video game consoles. And I'm so grateful for that now because it made me go outside and play and explore and climb trees and, and, uh, and read books and use my imagination. And, and none of that would have been possible if I'd been inside playing video games all the time. But, uh, but that didn't stop me from wanting one. And I never got it. But I knew this one kid who got not just the Nintendo when it came out, not just the Super Nintendo when it came out, not just the, the Game Boy when it came out, but all the games in between, and then the Sega PlayStation, and all these things that were new at the time, he got them all. And I, whenever I would go over to his house to play with him, I'd think, well, now's my chance to see what these games are like. And I would want to play, and he'd say, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to go do something else. And so he had all this stuff piled up that, that most people, most kids would like, and he didn't appreciate it. He didn't care because, first of all, he felt entitled to it. He felt like that was just his right, that his dad would give him anything that he wanted. And, and that privilege, that sense of entitlement, also brought, uh, brought on a poor understanding of value. He didn't value the things that he, he actually had. Now, grace is the opposite. Grace brings about humility because we understand that if we are redeemed through grace, if we have salvation through God's grace, we know that it's not something we're entitled to. It's not something that we deserve. And as such, it's not something that we're going to take for granted. And so there's, there's this humility involved, knowing that we are unworthy of the gift that we have received. Privilege is also very rigid and unforgiving. Privilege has a structure. It has a format. And you can't break the, 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 the walls down. Claire and I recently have started watching this show on Netflix called The Crown. 
And it's about uh, Queen Elizabeth, the, the current Queen of England, and her reign. It starts off in the 50s, and over the course of the show, it's going to go through her entire reign. Uh, but we've been watching uh, these uh, earlier episodes, and some of you uh, may, may know this story already. Um, it's uh, her uncle, Queen Elizabeth's uncle, was the, the firstborn and was to be the king, Edward VIII. And um, the thing about it, though, was he fell in love with a woman who had been divorced. And since the king or queen of England is the head of the church, this was forbidden. The, the person on the throne as the head of the church could not marry someone who had been divorced. And it was very rigid. Now, you want to talk about privilege. This was a system of privilege. He was king simply because he was the firstborn of the king and so on and so forth. That is the very definition of privilege. But he could not take the throne if he married this woman who had been divorced. And so he had a choice to make. It was a very rigid and unforgiving structure. And so he could either not marry the woman or he could marry her and he would be shunned. He would be outcast from the family. He would not be the king. He would not be any royalty at all. He would just be another person. And ultimately that's what he chose. He married the woman that he loved, and then the family cast him off. Years later, 17 years later, there were still hard feelings about it. And when Elizabeth, it came time for her to be coronated as queen, they told him, they told Edward, you can come to the coordination, but your wife can't. It would be improper. There was no grace there. This was a system of privilege and expectations and, and structure, and it was very rigid, and there was no grace. There was no forgiveness. There was no welcoming. We have rules, and you broke the rules of your privilege, and that's that. Grace, on the other hand, is not rigid. It is forgiving. God extends us grace. He sees where we've done things that, that uh, we shouldn't have done or done things that he wouldn't have wanted for us. But he still forgives, and he still welcomes us in when we come back to him. Grace is not rigid, it is forgiving, but privilege is unforgiving. And that is why privilege also means that you're never expected to fail. Privilege means you are in part of a system where you have a certain expectation that has to be met. And if it's not met, you are cast out. Or at the very best, it is covered up and swept under the rug. Now that friend that I had that got everything he wanted as a child, uh, he, he grew up, uh, as he became a teenager, he, he became something of a wild child. He started doing things that would uh, embarrass his parents if it got around too much. He would get in physical altercations with other people. And so his parents uh, decided to ship him off to military school. Now, I, I want to say this. The guy turned out to be a, an, an outstanding person. He really did. He, he, I know him now as an adult, and he's, he's a wonderful human being. But at the time, during, when he went through those troubled teenage years, his parents, who had raised him in the system of privilege, when, when, when it backfired and when he started acting out and he was a problem, that's when they sent him off somewhere to either shun him or banish him or to cover it up. I'm not sure. But they said, this, we can't have this, and they sent him off. That is what privilege does. But grace does not do that. 
Grace recognizes that we fall, and it helps us back up, as long as we know how to fall. Now, that may sound strange, but I'm going to use an example that some of you might not want to hear. Uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> Go ahead and groan. I know there's Falcons fans here. In 2008, Tom Brady suffered a season-ending injury. He got hit in the knee, and he tore his ACL and his MCL. He was out for the entire season. Now, since then, he's come back, and he's played 10 seasons up to the age of 39 and hadn't gotten hurt since. And he said that after that injury, he started a, a new way of working out, a new way of exercising that basically allowed him, like he said, he had to learn how to fall with grace. Now, that, that's kind of a play on words for us. Obviously, when he said it, he meant falling in an elegant or in a soft manner. Um, but for us, we think about falling with grace. When we fall, we are still covered in God's grace. Now, what Tom Brady meant was, was when he got hit, if he fell clumsily, if he fell hard, the chances are he was going to stay hurt. But if he could learn to fall the right way, he could easily bounce right back up. And the same is true for us. We are going to fall because none of us are perfect. But if we can cover ourselves in God's grace, if we can recognize that grace is what, what helps us to stand, what helps us to walk, and even is with us as we fall, we are more likely to get back up. Because where privilege is unforgiving, privilege causes guilt. But grace surrounds us even in our darkest times, even as we fall. And as we fall, grace gives us hope. Grace is recognizing that God is there as we stumble, ready to pick us up, ready to heal us, to forgive us, to dust us off and help us walk again. C.H. Spurgeon uh, once said, I have all things and abound. In other words, he was saying, I have privileges. I recognize that I have privileges. But he was not saying that he was privileged. Because he said, I have all things in abound, not because I have good store of money in the bank, not because I have good skill and wit with which to win bread, but I have all things in abound because the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, he recognized that by grace he had someone to lead him, someone to pick him up, and someone to bless him. Not in a system of rigid, harsh expectations, not in a system of unforgiveness, but in a system of grace and love with a shepherd who wants to lead us beside still waters and into green pastures. And for the Lord to be our shepherd, we have to recognize ourselves as sheep, and that requires humility. Humility that only grace will allow. For the Lord to be our shepherd means that we will follow him, which requires submission of our wills. And when the Lord is our shepherd, we realize that there are times that we may drift, we may wander, we may fall, but we are still blessed because the shepherd guides us in his grace. Or as Paul says in this text that we just read, God has blessed us in Christ. And in him we have redemption through his blood. That is a wonderful benefit to us, to our souls, 
And you could even say it's a great privilege that we experience. But we must always remember grace precedes our privilege. Grace overrides a system of rigid and blind privilege. We are not born into privilege. That's not what it means to be children of God. We are reborn into His family. And it happens because of grace. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. We ask that You forgive us for all the times that we have relied on our own strength, our own determination, our own grit. Or maybe the times that we've just sat back and, and, and rested on a false assurance that we are yours just simply because we are entitled to that. Lord, we recognize that the love, the forgiveness that we have is undeserved, is given to us only because of your love and because of the blood of Jesus Christ which was shed and poured out for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, let us trust your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our shepherd, to guide us into those green pastures, to pick us up when we fall, and to save us according to the grace that you long to show us, the grace that you have predetermined from the days long ago to show us, if only we would take part in it. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is from the United Methodist Hymnal. It is hymn number 365, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. If you've made a decision of any type this morning, I invite you and encourage you to come forward and, and, uh, and share that if, if you so desire with the church. Uh, as always, the altar is always open if you wish to come up here and pray. But if you will please stand if you are able and join us in singing hymn number 365, Grace Greater Than Our Sin.